Are you tired of losing your rights and freedoms? The Alberta Prosperity Project has a solution for you. Join the community and learn more at albertaprosperityproject.com. And with you on board, we can achieve freedom and prosperity for all of us. Rebel Daily is a show. Ezra Levance is my name. Rebel News is the channel. What a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I was way yesterday. Uh, it was a Jewish New Year. Um, what is it, 5783? I'm, I'm still signing my checks, 5782. Yeah, I'll be here all week. Um, you know, I you remember when Leslin Lewis ran for the Conservative Party of Canada twice now? I remember when she first ran, someone added up the amount of time she was on CBC television. I think it was like two minutes and 30 seconds, grand total. Here is a educated PhD lawyer, black woman, immigrant, entrepreneur, who went on to become MP. And she's getting two and a half minutes of airtime in the mainstream media. Well, gee, I wonder why that is. If she had run, if she had been a candidate for the Liberal Party of Canada, do you think? that Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster would have relegated her to two and a half minutes grand total. I think that the time was just for the CBC, by the way. It wasn't for all media. Do you really think the CBC would only have had two and a half minutes for her had she been the Green Party candidate or the NDP or the Liberals or the Bloc even? But because she dared to be conservative, they could not and they would not have her on because there's nothing that a progressive hates more than a minority who doesn't know their place and their place is to be a leftist, a liberal in this country, a Democrat in the States. If you want to see vitriol, look at how the American media treats Myra Flores, the Mexican-born Latina congressman from Texas. They despise her. Compare that to Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And the reason I tell you that analogy of Dr. Leslie Lewis being ignored by the mainstream media is because Italy has just elected their first female prime minister, Giorgia Meloni, very telegenic, very bright, and very effective, becoming the prime minister Wow, that's amazing. Um, here, just we got a little bit of Maloney here. Just listen to it for a second. Oh, I don't know if we have audio there, but there she is. She's with, um, what's the party called? The Brothers, right? Uh, she's right of center. She's a skeptic on lockdown. She's a skeptic on the European Union, she's really the mood of conservative populism. The same conservative populism in the UK that voted through Brexit. The same conservative populism in Sweden that just voted in a conservative government there. Uh, I mean, Italy has had conservative prime ministers before, Silvio Berlusconi being an obvious example. Um, but this was more populist, and of course Berlusconi was a billionaire who controlled the media. This Giorgio Meloni, Georgia Maloney, I, I think she's more grassroots from the people. And um, do you doubt that she would be front page? Like if, if she was a Jacinda Ardern, 
the atrocious prime minister of New Zealand. That would probably make it somewhere on the front page of a newspaper. And certainly CBC Radio would talk about it a lot. But let me show you the kind of welcome that the broadcast media had, the regime media, for Giorgia Meloni. I'm enjoying saying her name, by the way. Um, Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised take to Take a listen a to this and tell me they're not literally reading from the same script. Take a listen. Here's, here's a montage. I'm going to play this whole thing, and you're going to get tired of it, but you have to see that when I say the phrase regime media, media party, media narrative, the narrative, the official, the media industrial complex, you have to understand that I'm not exaggerating. Play the whole clip, Olivia. In Italy tomorrow, appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. The hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. A far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Roots in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy's 20th century neo-fascist movement. Maloney herself uh, was a, a hardcore neo-fascist militant. Stunning because of Italy's disastrous history, the last time a hard-right party rose to power. The most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. Most right-wing government since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. A red flag if there ever was one, says Edith Brooke, a renowned poet and Holocaust survivor. Italy about to see the country's most right-wing government since World War II. Most far-right, far-right, far-right government since World, World War II. Since the end of World War II. Maloney's win will probably send alarm bells throughout Europe. You know, it's alarming to a lot of people around Europe. Italy is revered for its history, but not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. That's amazing. Good for Media Resource Center for putting that montage together. They really were. Like that, I don't know if you saw that it was PBS, NBC, CBS, CNN, but it really doesn't matter. It's like a seven headed hydra, it's all mouths attached to the same body. I, I jotted down hardcore neo fascist militant. Wow. Did, did she kill anyone? Uh, did she did she murder the Jews? I mean, there was a hint of that. They had a Holocaust survivor. I, um, you know, I've been to the Holocaust Memorial and Museum called Yad Vashem in Israel. Probably been a half a dozen times. Um, they didn't have concentration camps uh, in Italy. I'm not saying they were particularly, you know, I mean, they they were allies of Hitler, and I'm not diminishing that in any way. But the concentration camps were in Germany and Poland and Czechoslovakia and, uh, and places like that. Um, but let's just have a Holocaust survivor just to imply that Giorgia Meloni is an inch away from murdering people. I wish some of this worry about hardcore neo-fascist militants would be deployed towards the actual neo-Nazi militants in Europe who... I mean, there's a lot of people who hold up a, a flag to irritate people. And, and, but the only hardcore neo-fascist militants who are actually truly militant with a military might is the Azov Battalion in Ukraine, 
who follow Stepan Bandera. Um, they revere him. He was an actual World War II era Nazi. They wear Nazi insignia. They salute with Sieg Heils. And they're actually part of the Ukrainian military. And Christian Freeland's government has actually met with them. So there are hardcore neo-fascist militants in Europe. They're called the Azov Battalion. In fact, just take a look at this. <laughs> they were in uh, Washington the other day. And here's Adam Schiff, um, the Democrat congressman, literally meeting with the Azov Battalion in Washington. They're not even hiding it. That is quite bold. Um, you'll never hear the phrase hardcore neo-fascist militant about them but only about Giorgia Meloni, the democratically elected prime minister. Um, I did a little tweet, if I may, if I may quote myself. May I quote myself? I did a little tweet on this subject uh, this morning because uh, they dug up an old clip of Giorgia Meloni saying that um, she, this is when she was a teenager. It's always dangerous to say things as a teenager because uh, when you grow up, they might embarrass you. Giorgia Meloni... Um, said something that was, uh, yeah, just play a little clip of it, even though it's in French. Just play a little clip of it. ...contre la gauche. Aujourd'hui, ces références politiques sont celles de l'Italie fasciste. Georgia ne s'en cache pas. Moi, je crois que, que Mussolini, c'était un, un bon politicien. C'est-à-dire que, que tout ce qu'il a fait, il a fait pour l'Italie. Et on ne le trouve pas, ça, dans les, dans les polit politiciens so I don't know if you could hear that. He said, I, she said, I think Mussolini was a good politician. And then she said something else that I couldn't quite catch fast enough. But what I did understand in my broken French is she said, I think Mussolini uh, was a good politician. That's, you know, that's a little bit chummy towards a fascist. I, I don't uh, dispute um, so, you, so that's your evidence, perhaps, of uh, being a hardcore neo-fascist militant. Uh, but here's what I uh, thought of the subject this morning, and if I may quote me. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Georgia Maloney um, is a fascist herself. Uh, she's no longer a 19-year-old kid, so maybe her opinions are more nuanced or mature. But here's what I wrote on the Twitter machine. I said, I don't know if Maloney is fascist, but for two years, Italy and most of the West has been run by fascists. Violation of medical privacy and choice. State bigotry against unvaccinated. Nuremberg-style laws firing unclean employees. Travel bans. Ghettoization by vaccine status. Sounds pretty fascist to me, and that's not just empty name-calling. I mentioned the Nuremberg Laws. That was laws passed in 1935 in Germany that said unclean Jews are not allowed to have certain um, jobs in life, certain posts. You're not allowed to marry certain people. Um, but after the war, there were the Nuremberg Trials. And one of the verdicts of the Nuremberg Trials has been called the Nuremberg Code. We did a whole show about this last year. The Nuremberg Code is the list of ethical principles that anyone in the field of medicine must follow in regards to patients. Because, and I don't want to get too deep into this, one of the things the Nazis did 
was atrocious experiments on Jews and others in the concentration camps. A, a lot of the worst Nazis were medical doctors. Dr. Joseph Mengele, the so-called angel of death, he would do atrocious experiments on twins, for example. He would do experiments on pregnant mothers. He would do, I'm not even going to describe them because I get too sick to even think about them. But one of the uh, consequences, uh, the Nuremberg Code, Directives for Human Experimentation, and um, you, can, you can see, you know, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. And it goes on about informed consent and the ability to withdraw consent. And, you know, there's a lot of points, I won't read through them now, but how many bullet points are there in the Nuremberg Code? I've forgotten. It's about a dozen. The experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society. Uh, so it has to be for good, not some atrocious commercial experiment or military experiment. The experiment should be conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. The degree of risk to the uh, to be taken should never exceed the uh, that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be and it, so you can see the point I'm not going to read them all but some of them are very basic and sort of sound as principles others are very specific during the course of the experiment the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage if he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of the good faith. Um, so so you, there's so many checks and balances built in here. Almost every one of these was violated over the last two years by doctors in white lab coats saying, just do Anthony Fauci, Teresa Tam, just say, oh, just trust me, I'm a doctor. Just trust me. The Nuremberg Laws, the Nuremberg Code. Why is Nuremberg so famous? Because it was the city of Nazis. It was the city where the Nazi laws were promulgated in 35. It was the city of the Nazi trials afterwards. And so it's appropriate that the medical ethics be called the Nuremberg Code. I do not know Georgia Maloney is a fascist. I rather doubt it. Uh, one of the reasons I rather doubt it, despite her saying that I think Mussolini was a good politician, is I rather doubt it, even though I have very little information on the subject, is because the shrill people calling her a fascist call everyone fascist. They call the Canadian truckers fascist. They call you a fascist if you disagree with Joe Biden or Justin Trudeau. Calling you a fascist is their go-to. They run something called Antifa, which they claim stands for anti-fascist, but they're the most fascist people around. They're literally black shirts who wear masks and beat you and torch things. That is what fascists do. That's not what anti-fascists do. So when the people calling Georgia, Georgia Maloney fascist are the people who call you and me fascists simply for, how, for supporting peaceful truckers, I have learned not to believe them without evidence. Like I say, it may well be true that Georgia Maloney is a fascist. I have no information to support that other than Mussolini was a good politician. 
Um, but I have plenty of information to support that Italy's previous government that enforced the brutal lockdown was fascist in the ways I just listed. And um, I certainly can point to our own government here in Canada where Justin Trudeau invoked martial law, seized bank accounts without judicial process, deployed riot horses to stomp on people, shot our reporter Alexa Lavoie, beat up our reporter David Menzies. That's pretty fascist to me. So when the people calling Georgia Maloney fascist are the people who call everyone the fascist, except for the actual fascists like Trudeau. You'll forgive me if I don't believe them right away. It's 12.20. I like to hop on these uh, live streams for a minute, just to express myself on a subject in the day, and I feel I have done so. So I'm going to bid you adieu now, and I'm going to leave you in the good hands of my colleagues who will take over for the rest of the live stream. I'll say goodbye. We'll play a little Rebel House ad. And who's, who's running the live stream today? I can't recall. David and Sheila. Well, the two greats. It's going to be amazing. Goodbye, everybody. I'll leave you with my colleagues. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Kamloops Shiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true, and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found? This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic, and this is definitely, you know, and it's hmm. definitely the chief. My mug? I know, it's pretty cool. So is this hoodie I got on, and you could have it on too if you check out our special website at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where you can see Freedom Focus hoodies that we have for you, beanies, cell phone cases, you name it, all while supporting our journalism where we fight to bring you the other side of the story as opposed to, you know, being forced by the Trudeau government to fund leftist media out of your taxes. The truth is, without you and your generosity, there is no rebel news. So again, if you like the reports that we bring you and that we also fight for freedoms in Canada, please consider doing some shopping, picking up some swag at rebelnewsstore.com. We appreciate your support. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host. Well, you know, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host, folks. Do you know that today is National Crush a Can Day? Oh, would I love to be in Busty Lemieux's shop class. I bet he could crush a can or two with yes. those cans. <laughs> she is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi oh, of Northern Alberta. God. She is the 100% natural female woman known as Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm doing great, David, but I had an interesting experience on the internet over the past 48 hours. So on the weekend, as I like to do, and I have a 
bit of a shoulder injury. So I'm trying to do a little bit of rehab from that, but I was pulling some arrows with the bow. And so I posted that on my Twitter feed and nothing but lunatics from the left saying, Oh, you look how manly you are. Look how man-. like, and I'm like, are you the, yeah, this is, so this is me. You might want to zoom that out. You can actually see just how manly I am. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> nothing but lunatics from the left saying look how manly you are and i'm like oh yes that's right because um that crazy lady lady <laughs> shop instructor that's your vision of womanhood that's right i forgot <laughs> unbelievable but you know what sheila i would rather have a woman who is capable of doing manly things like what you do farm hunt fix things build things than have a man who is basically a soy boy, a wimp, a uh, Dion Bu, someone that punched you at a woman's rally. Um, that person, that little <laughs> serpent uh, is worthy of mocking. But for you with your archery skills, um, they're mocking your manliness. By, by the <laughs> way, have they... Are, why aren't these people consistent? I I, I thought you're not supposed to. I thought to... that was fine. I yeah. thought that was fine. I thought if I had a beard, that was fine too, because womanhood is just a feeling, right? Um, so pick a lane, weirdos. It, it is unbelievable. And by the way, since it is, can you believe this? This must be one of the dumbest days of, we've ever talked about, National Crush a Can Day. But I do want to say, I do want to say to the can manufacturing business that by the 1970s, steel cans were phased out and replaced with aluminum cans. So watch this, Sheila. Now everybody's a tough guy. Yeah. They're easier to shotgun too. It's easier to like puncture one of those bad boys now. Not that I would know how or have ever done anything like that. Let's move on to what yes. we're talking about today before I reveal a little too much about myself. Um, so, Well, that would people... make you an Oakville Trafalgar shop teacher. <laughs> Clinger the teacher. Um, anyways. If people would like to support the work that we do completely willingly, we are streaming on YouTube, but if you'd like to leave us a paid chat to support the work that we do, the best way to do that is over on Rumble and Odyssey. On Rumble, it's called the Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called a Hyper Chat. Now, we have been told that we slow down the show too much when we read all the $1 chats. So we are going to show your $1 chats on air. So we'll take the time, we'll make a graphic, we'll put it on air, but we won't read them. We won't stop to read them, but we will stop to read anything $5 and over. Wow. And uh, again, we appreciate every little bit. It helps us keep the lights on. We don't get any money from Justin Trudeau and we do want to hear from you. I think Jeez. that's it. Those cheeky monkeys in the accounting department, they they, they never fail to impress <laughs> me with their money-making initiatives. But you know what? And seriously, folks, we don't take a nickel from nope. uh, Prime Minister Blackface McGropey. And uh, <laughs> if you do want to support true independent journalism, five bucks. I mean, what what is that? That doesn't even buy you a coffee at Starbucks, for goodness sakes, these days. Uh, so please, um, if you're able to make that benchmark, we greatly appreciate it. And yes. need it. Because that's oh, it, isn't it, Sheila? Yeah. And I'll just add this, Sheila. This is by far the most honest way of fundraising there is. Yep. Uh, yep. We are asking you, 
We're not compelling you. We're not threatening you. We're not going uh, doing the Rogers negative option marketing, uh, taking it out <laughs> right. of your account every two weeks, uh, like CBC and CTV and uh, Rachel Crymore over at Global News. No, 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 we don't do that. And by the way, speaking of which, Sheila, can you imagine Global News is allegedly on the brink and they're basically begging for a bailout? Um how about an opt-out? How about bye-bye, you can't sell enough advertising, you you don't dare lower yourselves to asking for money like we do? Well, then maybe it's time to exit stage right. What do you think, Sheila? Every time I see these mainstream media companies jangling for more cash from the taxpayer uh, so that taxpayers are forced to support them, I think they're being denied the market correction they so rightly deserve. Yeah because they are making a product nobody wants to consume. People, by and large, don't trust them anymore. They don't want to be brainwashed. They, The advent of social media makes it easy for you to debunk the lives of the, lies of the mainstream media. But every time they get a bailout, the cycle repeats itself and it gets worse because to avoid layoffs now, because they are even that much worse, they need more money and more money and more money instead of just saying, look, Let's have a little moment of introspection and figure out what we're getting wrong. They never do that because they're protected from it by these perpetual bailouts. You know, it's you're 100 percent right, Sheila. When I was filling in for Ezra on his show last week, I was talking about the so-called EV car uh, revolution. And, you know, you look at four out of 10 new car releases, I think, this year were 100 percent EV vehicles. And I've got nothing against EVs, whatever you want to buy, that's fine. But the fact is, this is not a free market-driven trend, Sheila. Here's where the problem comes in. It is a government-driven trend. Yeah. You have the state of California, home to 14.2 million vehicles. Can you imagine um, saying that, guess what, by 2035, uh, you cannot sell uh, an internal combustion engine car in the state of California. And there are 17... That's in Canada, too. Pardon me? That's in Canada, too. Is that a hard target or is it something they're looking at? Well, you know, it was the transport minister, that goblin, Omar al-Jabra. <laughs> he made the announcement that cars should be net zero by 2035. Now, I don't know if that's mandated or if it's voluntary, but it's their target. Yeah, there you go. And uh, but that's the thing. This is the and that's the state of California. And you're also looking at 17 Oh, blue states, of course, uh, ranging from New York State to Washington State, um, saying, yeah, you know what? There's something to this California mandate, this deadline. The perverse joke is, how is California going to power in the decades ahead all this? Right now, there is record demand on the grid. There is roving brownouts and blackouts. And, of course, that means... Uh, you're going to have to conserve energy. That That's a sneaky word, Sheila. That really means ration. Uh, we'll probably be you're rationing right. <laughs> in 2035 for uh, meat sales as well. And of course, the ultimate joke is that do you think Leonardo DiCaprio, do you think Jane Fonda, 
in their California mansions and their six-figure Teslas. Do you think they are ever going to let the grid um, ruin their lifestyle? No, they're going to have state-of-the-art diesel generators uh, powering up the electricity so the AC never goes off for a second in their mansion and that the Tesla is already uh, is always fully charged. It is unbelievable. It is absolute madness. And I know you're doing some work on some charging stations here north of the border that are apparently going uh nowhere that a um an ev can go <laughs> yeah you they're they're there <laughs> but you can't get to them because i don't know somebody who only rides a bike yeah was the guy who installed them and it's interesting that you uh you're talking about this even though it's not on the list of things to talk about settle down olivia but um <laughs> Last week, when I was going through the order paper questions, and I know I wrote this up as an article on the website, while the federal government is driving the rest of us into net zero cars, which means they work net zero times in the winter, um, the federal government, their fleet, you'd think that these people would be the first ones making the transition, right? No. Uh, the conventional light-duty fleet completely Composed of approximately, well, let's just round up, 18,000 federally owned vehicles, including 450 EVs that make up 2.5% of the vehicle. So they're only at 2.5%. Anyway. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just um, trying to uh, confirm <laughs> that statistic. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk for much longer. No, so. I just read it off the order paper. I brought it up out of the corner of my eye. So you can confirm it, I guess, if you want to. But I got it from the federal government. Yeah. But I mean, my original point, Sheila, is simply this. Whether it's the news business, whether it's the automotive industry, can government get their clammy hands out of it and stop meddling with the free market? Because that is what's causing these problems. And especially if we go back to the Canadian journalism the ethical breaches, the moral breaches, the idea that these players are taking money from the Justin Trudeau liberals, the same Justin Trudeau liberals they should be um, following like watchdogs instead of curling up like lapdogs. Um, when I went to journalism school in Ryerson from 1981 to 1984, Sheila, this would have been unheard of. Every professor, regardless of political leaning, would have condemned this 100%. You can't do, I mean, if Stelco is, you know, the steel plant, if they, if I'm doing a story on them, they come out and they go, hey, Dave, we love your reporting. Here's $20,000. How can I, on good conscience, fairly cover that story? This is what's baffling to me as a journalist, Sheila, that you can get paid off by this sugar daddy and pretend you are completely unbiased and objective. It, you can't be. I don't think they're pretending anymore. That's true. I mean, we all saw that performance David Aiken put on. <laughs> what did I describe him as a lovelorn baboon? Like he was just hooting and hollering and screaming in that press conference with Pierre Polyev about how he is the chief political correspondent at Global News. And then like a day later, Global News is like, give us more money, we're failing. <laughs> Um, really, really fascinating. Oh, Sheila. And somewhere in Ottawa, Rachel Gilmore weeps. 
Maybe. If she, she'll tweet about it if she is. She'll TikTok it if she is. Don't worry. Yeah. I hope um, she keeps her blouse on. That's all I'm saying. You know. <laughs> enough. I mean, she, she probably enjoys that we even know that she exists. Um, let's I didn't talk know about... she existed until she started talking about these attacks. I went, what? Another female journalist like my, my beloved Sheila Gunn-Reed, Andrea Humphrey, and Alexa Lavoie getting physically assaulted. Oh no, somebody said something mean on Twitter. <laughs> I know that's she just she gets, got mad at me because I called them mean tweets and said yeah, that I didn't care. <laughs> and I was like, no, because I actually have been the victim of political violence. And so I don't care about your mean tweets. Like yeah. all I get is mean tweets. Yeah. I sometimes I post things just for the mean tweets. Uh, because <laughs> if they're bothering me, they're not bothering somebody else. Honestly. Anyways, uh, let's get to the news yes. of the day before uh, Efron comes in with the hook. Um, so we've got a video of uh, our Solicitor General here in Alberta, our Justice Minister, mm. um, telling our RCMP here in Alberta to ignore Trudeau's gun ban. The Justice Minister is Tyler Shandro, and we'll get to him in a second because I've got feelings and, <laughs> and thoughts about Tyler Shandro. <laughs> Many of them. Um, and also about why two weeks ago, Jason Kenney said this sort of stuff is bonkers, I think were his words. Um, but now he's doing it and we're all supposed to be like, great idea, Jason. How original. So, so uh, let's uh, roll the clip and then we'll talk. Now, it's important to remember that Alberta taxpayers pay over $750 million per year for the RCMP, and we will not tolerate taking officers off the streets in order to confiscate the property of law-abiding firearms owners. To take action, I have used the authorities that we have as a province. Under the Provincial Police Service Agreement, this is the agreement that we have with Canada to contract our, our provincial policing. And I've used these authorities to write to the commanding officer of the RCMP in Alberta to formally identify the confiscation program as an activity that is not an, quote, objective, priority, or goal of the province or the provincial police service, end quote. And that the use of RCMP resources would be contrary to the effective and efficient delivery of police services. Consequently, the RCMP should refuse to participate. Now, despite taking this step, the federal government may still direct the RCMP to serve as confiscation agents. To prevent this from happening, Alberta will formally dispute any attempt to do so by invoking Article 23 of that agreement, the Provincial Police Service Agreement. Our government understands the dangers that come with the criminal misuse of firearms, and we've always been in favour of sensible policies to mitigate those risks. As today's announcement bears out, however, we will never support misguided policies, fear-mongering, or the seizure of private property. And you know, Sheila, I think this really resonates with Alberta citizens because sure going back to 2013, uh, the High River Flood, and look what we saw the RCM do. It was an egregious overreach of confiscation where they were going into homes that had been Kicking abandoned because doors. of the flood and grabbing their guns. Absolutely brutal. Uh, looks like, I, I mean, I love what's being said here. Uh, that ain't going to happen again, is it? No. And uh, look, I'm in favor of this. 
I, is my face frozen? It is. it is. Of course. <laughs> and I have a stupid look on my face every time. I can't be, have a freeze face when I'm smiling and cute. No, it's always like some <laughs> dumb look. Um, but I, I agree with this completely. Yeah. This is a great thing that they're doing. This is why I am in favor of a provincial police force because we don't need Trudeau's cops here enforcing his bad laws on our good law-abiding people. But I'm old enough to remember two weeks ago when Jason Kenney and his sycophants like Tyler Shandro said when Daniel Smith proposed her Sovereignty Act saying, look, we're just not going to go along with federal laws that we think are not in the best interest of Albertans. We're going to reject them. He called it bonkers. He called it unconstitutional. And then now he's doing the same thing in theory. And we're all supposed to forget and say, you know what, Jason, really great job. Good thinking on this one. You came up with a totally original idea. You didn't just lift off of Danielle Smith two weeks ago when you were insulting her for coming up with the idea. So while uh, while I'm in full support of this, I'm not hard of remembering. And I'm not also not hard of remembering that this is Tyler Shandro who is today or yesterday when he made this announcement complaining that this should not be a good use of police resources, that this should not be a priority for the RCMP and that the RCMP should refuse to participate in things that they think are unjust. I think that's interesting because I saw the RCMP show up to try to enter into Grace Life Church. I saw the RCMP show up and week after week after week, try to enter that church. I saw the RCMP enforce at the time it was Tyler Shandro's bad laws because he was the health minister and arrest Pastor Coates, take him away for 35 days. So I think it's really interesting that all of a sudden we're saying you, the RCMP shouldn't be these political pool, tools of the state when they were the political tools of the state when it was the thing that Tyler Shandro wanted to do. Although I am happy to see him going up against Justin Trudeau with the same veracity that, that he went up against prickly pastors. You know, Sheila, I, I want to talk about your original point there about do these people think we forget? Do these people forget themselves? There's such a thing as an internet we can do. Anyone can do a simple Google search and see what they said uh, two weeks ago, two years ago, two decades ago. What I'm getting at, it reminds me of Stephen Del Duca. He was the leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. He looks like the Geico lizard. And I don't, (laughs) that's not like, uh, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just something I always see when I look at him. I'm like, is he trying to sell me insurance or politics? That's just, and then he does, he's licking his lips all the time. Someone should tell him not to do that. Well, I know he was uh, trying to sell Ontarians and taking the sales tax off a prepared chicken at the supermarket. Oh, great. Uh, That saves me 19 cents. Uh, That'll go a long way with my grocery bill of $350. But in any event, he was campaigning on, um, you know, the kind of rhetoric that comes along with the climate emergency, the climate crisis, uh, the climate disaster. They, they use these words interchangeably, which was is to say, Sheila, heavy on public transit uh, against the idea of that new highway north of Toronto. Uh, yeah, being he's built. just against roads, roads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lo and behold, an absolute disaster. He uh, resigned within minutes of the final count, as well he should. The thing is, Sheila, now he's running for the mayor of Vaughan. Now, in case anyone doesn't know where Vaughan is, Vaughan is like Richmond Hill. 
it's a suburban bedroom community uh, for Toronto. A lot of people that live in these uh, cities, uh, basically, they work in Toronto and they commute back home. And suddenly, he's not pounding the, the drum on public transit anymore. He's not canceling any highways. He wants highway improvement. He wants to make things better for commuters. And Sheila, what was astonishing, and I can't remember the member of the media that brought this to his attention, but good for him. He was saying, you see, if we have cars stuck in gridlock, that is the reason we need new roads. We need new highways because those are the worst kind of emissions, which is correct. But he was reminded by this uh, reporter, Sheila, but Mr. Del Duca, that's exactly what Doug Ford was saying when you were yeah. against the highway and against new roads. Like, Sheila, in a matter of weeks, he does a yeah. 180 because suddenly he's not the premier of all Ontario and he can throw commuters under the bus. Now he realizes that the bread and butter voters are people in cars that want to speed up the commute. They want to spend half their life in traffic gridlock. And he has this come to Jesus moment that I'm pro highway. Forget about the public transit. It, yeah. I get to your point. Do these people think we're not keeping track of what they're saying? Oh, I'm keeping track because with people like this, <laughs> I realize pretty quickly that it is not about whatever they say their values are like, it's not about liberalism. It's not about environmentalism. It's not about conservatism. It's not about not using the RCMP as political tools to enforce bad laws. Their only ideology is power. So they go that whichever way the wind blows. So for me, my values are not situational. That's why I can say I defend the free speech rights of the people who say atrocious things about me on the internet. I just don't, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Um, but for people like, let's say the aforementioned Rachel Gilmore, she wants the people <laughs> to be able to say bad things about me. She just doesn't want them to say bad things about her because that's violence against her because she's nice and not violence against me because I'm a big mean conservative. So um, that's all. I'm keeping track. I'm learning a lot about these yeah. people and they are not the things that they say they are. They are just, their only ideology is power and the ability to wield it over other people like Patrick Brown, I guess. Oh, geez. The sneaky one. You had to mention him. Well, you know what? It's coming up to the quarter hour. That means we have to take an ad break before we transition by transition. I don't mean uh, Sheila Ryer changing our gender. Or sex. David will have <laughs> big fake boobs on when we come back from this. Ad break. Yeah. I got to get that off my chest. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, let's go anyway. to an ad and we'll be right back before you know it. Adam Sos here for Rebel News. You know, our company is growing quickly and we'd actually like for your company to grow too. That's why this ad space that I'm speaking through right now is actually available for you to purchase. So instead of people listening to me, they could actually be learning about your company, learning about your business. If this interests you, if this is an opportunity you'd like to capitalize on, send us an email at ads at rebelnews.com. Well, Adam's looking good there. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's eating a lot of beef. Before we move on, because I know Olivia's like, let's keep it short because we only have 15 minutes left in the show. Yes. I And we do want to talk about Roxham Road. Because oh, Because yes. Trudeau's open border policies are just picking the pockets of Canadians. But I just want to talk about this one thing about uh, the failure of our foreign affairs minister 
who is highly unqualified to be oh. in charge of foreign affairs. Uh, she was asked if Ottawa, when I don't like to say Ottawa, I like to say the liberals because <laughs> Ottawa is just a town. Yeah. And there <laughs> and are some nice liberals. decent people still living in Ottawa too. So you let's know, not malign some. them. Just, <laughs> just a handful. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, She's asked if the liberals are considering listing the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist entity as the regime cracks down on protests following the death of Masha Amani. The minister, Jolie, declined to answer but said we're going ahead with strong sanctions. I just want to show this because um, I, I've just got one quick point to make about how the liberals view terrorists and uh also, while they claim to be feminist. So do we want to roll that quick clip? Do we even have a clip? That's something else that uh, you and the prime minister announced today. That's sanctions on Iran. Uh, more specifically, yeah. I should say, on their so-called morality police due to all the uh, protests that are going on there after Masa Amini uh, died in, in their custody. Uh, and more specifically, I just wanted to ask, you announced the sanctions writ large, but you haven't identified the individuals who will be sanctioned. Uh, the U.S. has done that already when they made the announcement. So I'm just wondering what timeline you have for the announcing exactly who will be sanctioned. So very soon, like you mentioned in your question, we will be sanctioning the morality police. We will be sanctioning its uh, leadership, and we will be announcing uh, the different names very soon. But we wanted to make sure that uh, Iranian women who are protesting as we speak in Tehran and across Iran knew that we were we were on their side supporting them because at the end of the day, women's rights are human rights. And, and certainly women's rights are at the heart of what is happening in Iran. And I heard you in your speech today also talking about Canada's desire to ultimately defend women's rights uh, right around the world. And in, it's in that vein that I ask why uh, your government has not listed the IRGC uh, as a terrorist entity. Well, of course, um, our goal is to make sure that um, we have uh, an approach where we're sanctioning the people uh, of the morality police, the, the leadership, like I mentioned, but also we don't have an embassy in Tehran anymore. The Harper government has decided at the time that we would be having no diplomatic relationship with Iran, and that's still the stance of this government. Uh, I'm not sure how that answers the question about why you wouldn't list the IRGC as a terrorist entity. The House of Commons voted in favor of it back in 2018. Your government has so far refused to do so. Should the events of the past 10 days change your approach? Like I mentioned, we are going ahead for, with strong sanctions. That's definitely our goal. And we've had a principal approach since the beginning. And at the same time, we're fighting for accountability for the families of PS752, which is another issue that we have with Iran. I'll be going to Montreal tomorrow uh, at ICAO because we're seeking justice for these families that uh, went through a, a very difficult tragedy following the reckless actions of Iran. They did, and in fact, they specifically have called yeah, on your government to list the. Yeah. I, I think oh. that's good. Um, so the the families of the downed uh, Ukrainian airplane, they've called on the government repeatedly to list the IRGC as a terrorist organization. The House of Commons voted to list it as a terrorist organization. The 
liberals have just not followed through. So they went through the theater of it all, but they haven't listed it. And then she has the audacity to blame Harper for saying we cut diplomatic ties off with Iran. Do you know why we did that? Because they were using the embassies and consulates as little um, places from which they would bully and intimidate Iranian and Persian expats, people who escaped the regime. They were bullying them, harassing them, manipulating them. Um, extorting them from the embassies. So we said, forget it. We don't want anything to do with you psychos. Go back home. Leave us alone. We're done dealing with you. It was for the safety of Iranian expats that had landed here in Canada to escape that nonsense. But I really think it's interesting that they cannot list or treat the IRGC as a terrorist group, but they would treat truckers and Tamara Leach, yes. like they're terrorists. They had a terrorism law invoked on them. They cut off the funding to the truckers as though they were the IRGC. But you know who can raise money in Canada right now? The IRGC. Unbelievable. And more to the point, too, I think, Sheila, um, they're on record going back to 2016, the Justin Trudeau Liberals, of making our homegrown al-Qaeda terrorist, Omar Carter, the latest Lotto Max uh, winner without even having to shell down five bucks to buy a ticket, giving him that eight-figure payout for hurt feelings. A guy that's admitted to killing and maiming um, two uh, U.S. servicemen. Um, And also, as Ezra showed when he was invited to a speaking gig out east, uh, apparently they're turning a blind eye to him being on the no-fly list. Another thing. Um, Why don't we gut this rotten fish that is the Liberal Party of Canada from within? By that, I mean Majid Johari, the MP for Richmond Hill, who is a supporter of the Iranian regime. Now, Sheila, you know, I live in Richmond Hill. I believe the uh, number of Persians in Richmond Hill is about 14 percent. That's a very significant uh, minority group. I've had nothing but pleasant dealings with the merchants and the restaurateurs who are Persian in Richmond Hill. The only creep I've had a problem with from the Iranian community is the federal member of parliament who's had secret meetings, who's had Iranian officials sneak into Canada um, and uh, conduct meetings with him. How about that? How about ousting Majid Johari, given his track record? That's something completely in their power to make him sit as an independent, but they won't do that. When I saw Justin Trudeau campaigning last year, he was calling Majid Johari a great man, and I was screaming from the sidelines at Hillcrest Mall, Mr. Trudeau, what makes him a great man? Name one thing. And, you know, the way Jolly... Um, jumps around by not asking the questions. The other day I was listening on radio, Sheila, it was a fascinating interview. It was with a journalist with um, Associated Press doing a very good job because, you know, you and I uh, and our Rebel News uh, colleagues, we uh, we call them as we see them. So even if you're in the mainstream media and you're doing a good job, we'll say that. And he had on the spokesman for the, uh, um, the Secretary of State and he was repeatedly hammering him over and over, trying to get an answer. How is it with the, uh, you know, the the sanctions on Iran that have ended, 
uh, in the, the U.S., the fact that the nuclear program is allowing, it's being allowed to power up. Iran will go nuclear. It's only a question of when it will achieve uh, nuclear power. And once that genie is out of the bottle, good luck putting it back in. And Sheila, uh, the word soup coming out of this guy's mouth, constantly saying, well, this makes the world a safer place. How? How is the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world getting nuclearized, making the world a safe place? You know what makes the world a safe place? Back when Donald Trump was in the White House, yeah, we didn't have any of these shenanigans going around the world right now. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump turned terrorists into dust. That's yep. what he did. Um, and the, I think the only thing saving us from Iran being come, becoming a nuclear state is the Mossad sneaking over there yeah. and exterminating their nuclear scientists in Iran. Now, people are going to say to me, Sheila, why do you even care? Iran is over there. Why do you even care about whether or not we label the IRGC a terrorist organization? Because if unless we do, members of the IRGC are allowed to come to Canada. Yep. And the reason this is important is because it very recently happened and the guy who was in Canada was involved in the death of a Canadian photojournalist. So you remember when the ex-Tehran police chief was spotted working out at a Toronto area gym? You remember that guy? In, in, in a Richmond Hill gym, Sheila, yes. Yeah. And his and daughter he lives was, here, evidently, in Toronto. Yeah. And so he was the head of the, like he was the police chief in Tehran when a Canadian photojournalist named Zara Kazami was arrested and tortured to death in a prison under his watch. Yep. And again, this is equally important because he was the guy who launched a special unit. He's the guy who launched the morality police to crack down on women wearing un-Islamic dress. Yep. He cracked down on free speech. Well, this is why the, the liberals don't have a problem with that. But he aggressively quelled protests, spearheaded an operation to seize TV satellite dishes being used to bring in Western programming. Now, before becoming the police chief of Tehran, he was an officer in the IRGC, the politicized military force that shot down an airliner packed with Canadians in 2020. Because the liberals refuse to list the IRGC, and it is a refusal at this point, as a terrorist organization, this guy can come and go as he pleases in Canada, and he's implicated in the death of a Canadian woman. And, and Sheila, not only in National Post, uh, but we did a story yep. on this news uh, when it broke. Uh, we were tipped off about it. And the idea that you have this butcher with all this blood on his hands somehow getting into Canada um, it, it, it's mind baffling. And another reason to answer your question, well, Iran's way across, halfway across the world. Why should I care? Here's why you should care. Um, Nasser Pooley, who was my guest last night on the Ezra Levent show, he's a freedom fighter. Uh, he's the kind of guy that when he goes to protest, he wears a bulletproof vest because he has his enemies. These Iranian agents are in Canada. As a matter of fact, yeah, they are. Yes. Within almost walking distance of Majid Johari's constituency office is a Markham uh, neighborhood where Majid jo uh, where sorry, uh, Nasser Pooley's uh, good friend was gunned down, cold-blooded murder 
in his house in sleepy little Markham, Ontario. Uh, why? Well, I guess he has a big mouth. He's outspoken against the regime. And this is what happens. So if you want these spooks running around Canada getting offended by unpopular or impolite opinions about the Iranian regime and their rebuttal is at the end of a gun barrel, that's why you should care. And this liberal government, they know they're here. They turn a yep. blind eye. In the case of Majid Johari, he encourages them over. I suspect there might be some quid pro quo at play. I don't have any proof, but that's my suspicion. And they're putting the lives of Canadians at peril and at risk. This is egregious, Sheila. It's a complete failure of what we promised these Iranian refugees, yes. people who fled the revolution. We promised them freedom. We promised that they could speak their minds without fear of reprisal. And then we let the regime come here and harass them and intimidate them. It's disgusting. Um, we're, we should quickly talk about Roxham Road because it's in the title of the YouTube video. Yes. And then we'll clean up the chats here. And by the way, I should say, Sheila, Roxham Road, what, what a what a, an incredible place. Kind of like the Emerald City in the land of Oz, isn't it? Because all these ridiculous travel restrictions these last two years, masking and social distancing and vaccination proof and yada, yada, yada. It never applied on that piece of Canadian soil, did it, Sheila? In fact, the authorities wouldn't harass you and ticket you. Uh, the RCMP turned into the Royal Canadian Bellhop Police and would actually carry the Gucci luggage over the border because, you know, we don't want them having a backache or anything. What a disgrace. And why? What happened to the science there, Sheila? What, you know, even if you believed in open borders, like the Justin Trudeau liberals do, at least most of them, and you want to bring in illegal aliens, couldn't you have said reasonably that due to the pandemic, we've got to take a hardline approach, put a fence up there, put a wall up there. We can't allow this simply for medical reasons. And then when That's things were That's what returned, the Biden admin did. The Biden admin <laughs> did that. So, um, but no, uh, it was always business as usual, wasn't it? And now look at the price tag, eh, Sheila? Over half a billion. Oh at Roxham Road. Contracts without calls for tender, renewed agreements, modernized infrastructure. Ottawa, they say, no, it's not Ottawa, it's the Liberals, have invested massively in the reception of asylum seekers at Roxham Road, according to figures uh, obtained by this French language newspaper. And everything indicates that this passage seems destined to last. Yeah, because they're building permanent infrastructure there now. So it's an illegal crossing, irregular crossing, they say, but they're <laughs> completely regularizing it by building buildings and RCMP outposts and bus stations to take you off to wherever you get to uh, land at when you come into Canada. But yeah, like normal Canadians, those truckers, long haul truckers who wanted to cross into the United States just to do their jobs and maintain supply chains, they were punished and they because they didn't get vaccinated. But they they only ask you. I, I we have a footage of Alexa Lavoie on site at Roxham Road, and they say like, "Oh, are you vaccinated?" They're like, "Maybe, <laughs> no, I don't know." And then they're like, "Okay, great, get on over here, you big lug." Like it's just, it's nothing like the invasive medical questionnaire you get anytime you go within eight feet of a Canadian airport. 
You know, it, it's just amazing, isn't it? These Orwellian terms they use. Uh, they can't even say illegal crossing. And that's what it is. You are breaking the law. That's why RCMP are greeting you. It has to be irregular. You know, kind of like in 1984, how the Ministry of Truth is all about propaganda lies. You never want to end up in the Ministry of Love. That's where they torture people. And uh, irregular, all I can think of, uh, Sheila, when it comes to the word irregular is socks. Sometimes I'll be shopping. Hey, irregular socks, 50% off. Okay, I'll give it a, a whirl. Not people. Right? I Not think crossings. about those ult those ultra polite Metamucil commercials of my childhood. Where I was like, <laughs> what do they mean by irregular? Yeah. 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 Uh-oh, grandpa had an accident. Oh, yeah. what happened to the car? Oh, well, the car wasn't involved. <laughs> All righty. Let's get to these chats. You went there. <laughs> I uh, I regretted it instantly. Um, <laughs> we've got live or chats here from first one from conservative Gen Z. Five bucks. It was nice meeting you at the protest this weekend, David, and for plugging my media account, conservative Gen Z ca you know what good for you spending that five bucks on some marketing good for you sheila if i may say that might be a new name to our viewers but it that is actually rebecca henderson and i got to meet her at the ppc led protest against busty lemieux in the halton district school board in burlington on sunday and um, by the way where are the other politicians they're, they're all turtling on this transgenderism even by somebody who might be conning the system or mentally ill it's a third rail issue we dare not step on it and i gotta tell you this lovely young lady rebecca henderson wise beyond her years um what an absolute delight it was uh, actually meeting her. And that is the name of her website. So folks, uh, help support her. Go, go there, uh, check out her work. And Rebecca, it was truly my pleasure meeting you. And thank you for your donation. Okay, let's keep going. Conservative Gen Z gives us five bucks again. It says, I was at the protest at the high school yesterday. And predictably, a trans leftist assaulted me by hitting my hand so i would drop my phone what? she was embarrassed that people were challenging her arguments um no that's not violence because you have the wrong viewpoint that's just somebody taking back their power i'm reliably yeah. told by crazy people on the internet um it's only violence when you say mean things to well-protected leftist journalists on the internet what happened to you wasn't violence um, they were just, you know, fighting social structures and uh, you were on the receiving end of it. That is outrageous. I want to know what school, because I think our colleague Lincoln Jay went down to Oakville Trafalgar yeah. and didn't see uh, a demonstration there that was rumored to have happened. But, you know, you're right, uh, Sheila, when it comes to the double standard with violence. And of course, the left subscribes to that saying, punch a Nazi. Now, if somebody like Adolf Hitler was hell-bent on world conquest and creating a genocide of a race, um, yeah, I that's a very punchable person, I should think. But what they mean by punch a Nazi is not somebody doing genocide and world conquest. It's just somebody with a contrarian opinion to yours. So instead of debating him or her uh, on that opinion, use violence. Lash out with your fists or your feet. Uh, in, in this case, it's transgenderism. Sometimes, as you've seen so many times, Sheila, uh, when it's the pro-life people, Typically, it is a woman, and typically, the you know the the guy doing the violence is some uh, soy boy, and um, I'm I'm just 
calling it like I see it, as I said, I am absolutely livid right now that anyone would raise a hand to Rebecca Henderson like that. So, Rebecca, please get in touch with us and tell us where this occurred. It might make for a follow-up story. And I'm just wondering, did you call the police? But then again, with the Halton Regional Police Service, Sheila, this is maybe one of the most woke police forces in Canada. They drive around in police cruisers that are barely recognizable, like Black Excellence or Pride Cruiser. And they're there all the time at Oakville, Trafalgar, uh, to act as uh, private security guards for Busty yeah. Lemieux in case anyone yells an impolite question across the parking lot. Unbelievable. Well, and I, I saw today that, uh, what's your, is it the education minister, Stephen Lecce? Lecce. Yeah. Um, he said that he's opening a professor, or he'd like to see a professional standards investigation opened into Chesty LaRue, Chesty Lemieux. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, he's being called transphobic yep, on course. the internet by Absolutely. a bunch of childless cat ladies who are saying, no, 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 this person has every right to be swinging their fetish in your son's faces. Yep. Uh, this has nothing to do with being transphobic. This is a fetish being paraded around in front of minor high school aged boys. And it is creepy. And like I said to Tamara yesterday, in the before times, decades prior, this person would be the trench coat wearing nudist yep. at the bus stop who yep. just opens up his trench coat and flashes little kids at the bus stop because he's a voyeur and he's a weirdo and but he's found a way to get away with it and if you question it you're the bigot if you don't want your son exposed to prosthetic nipples you're the weirdo. Exactly. What a time to be alive. And, and you're the hater. And by the way, Sheila, forget about the Ministry of Education, uh, which is uh, Mr. Lecce's portfolio. What about the Ministry of Labor? Because I don't care if you're trans, female, male, Martian, whatever. You look at those photos and videos coming out of that workshop. Every single safety rule is being broken, Sheila. Those prosthetic, uh, enormous breasts are coming next to the near, very near the circular saw. He's wearing long sleeves. He has his long hair from that blonde wig, not tied up in a bun or uh, secured by a hairnet. He's not wearing safety goggles. I, you know, these are all violations, regardless of your sexual orientation or what you identify as. So, you know, where's the Ministry of Labor on this? There should be an investigation. This, like, look at that. That, there, there's like about five violations of the safety code right there for a workshop, Sheila. I just, and those bike shorts. Like, I would oh, yeah. be severely irritated if a female teacher were wearing bike shorts in the classroom. I think it's wholly inappropriate. It's completely unprofessional. But you just know that the way that guy is flaunting prosthetic nipples, that his wiener is on full display <laughs> for all of those boys. You just absolutely know it because that's what this guy is. He's a creepy voyeur, trench coat weirdo at the bus stop. Yep. It's his for own a modern personal time. crying game. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, Fraser McBurney, five bucks advertising. It always crosses my mind when your show ads, how much do you charge for an ad or block of ads on your show? I think it's, Ads? Is it ads at rebelnews.com or advertising at rebelnews.com? I, I don't Somebody know. help me with that. I don't want to give out Alex's direct internal email, 
Um, Why don't but, we have uh, Alex we, get in touch with Fraser uh, directly? You know what? Yes, we do have Fraser's email from yeah. um, from his fight the fines uh, fiasco. So uh, I'll pass <laughs> along your email, Fraser, to our um, person in charge of advertising. And because, yeah, we do sell ads. We would love to sell you some ads. We'd love to sell anybody some ads. Okie doke. Uh, Spirit Whisperer 2021 gives us 10 bucks. Hi from Victoria, D BC. Did you see the video where the guy caught the government poisoning the fish in New Brunswick? I did not, but I don't think you have to um, go out of your way to catch the government poisoning fish anywhere, um, especially if you're downstream of anything in Quebec. <laughs> because they just... <laughs> dump turds into the water there That's and right. then like a ba baby beluga just dodge those turds oh. um the same people who won't let us build a pipeline to the east coast because it might be dirty they are just dumping billions of liters of untreated sewage into the water and it is killing the fish they're massive fish kills out there so i mean like are the are they poisoning fish in New Brunswick? Maybe are they an invasive species like the Asian carp? Uh, I would understand if they mm. were poisoning them doing that. I'd be perfectly fine with that. But um, anything upstream of New Brunswick is being poisoned by the government, also anyway. Yeah, you know, uh, Sheila, I've been getting a lot of emails about this video, and um, I haven't done anything on it yet because we what we try to do, unlike the mainstream media, so often is actually get our facts bulletproof correct. And, uh, you know, so what we have is video of, uh, you know, gentlemen in lab coats and they're putting something in the water, don't know what, you can't tell if it's a video. Um, so we'll look into that. Um, you know, what I gotta say is there's the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. Folks, I gotta be honest with you, sometimes where there's smoke, guess what? Just a whole bunch of smoke, no fire. And um, we'd like to reach out and uh, get that, you know, verified. You know, I just wish, Sheila, for stories like this, we we had a rebel, you know, in the Maritimes or Newfoundland uh, to be, you know, near to the ground when these kind of stories break. Yeah, I mean, but if they are poisoning Asian carp, fine. <laughs> and, and you know what? Fine. Until you said that a few minutes ago, I never even thought of that. And... Folks, if it's an invasive species, uh, you, you got to take them out sometimes. It could be that, which is legitimate. Because here's the question. Why would the government, even a bad government, want to poison its own lakes to get rid of the fish? Unless it's what Sheila said, to get rid of an invasive species. You know, and there are some times where the species isn't necessarily invasive. But there's like this weird biocolonialism where the biologists will come and poison the species that's been introduced because it's not native yeah. even though it's not causing a problem whatsoever which is strange because in alberta we release birds that are not native to here all the time just for hunting funsies <laughs> like ringneck pheasants um but uh yeah if it's a damaging invasive species that is eating the natural species i could see why they're poisoning but yeah the government in the past i'm not sure if there's any instances lately of them doing it but it, uh, jeremy foss wrote about it in his book um i think his book is called beyond environmentalism of the canadian government going and poisoning these species of animals that are just because they weren't native to Canada, even though they weren't causing any problems whatsoever. Well, I, I, th that's terrible. And by the way, on, one last note on this, very important. It's a self-serving note. 
you know, uh, my kids finally moved out of the house, as you know, Sheila. They left behind two big turtles, and Lady Menzoid doesn't want anything to do with them. Uh, she's given them until the end of the month to get rid of them. It doesn't look like they're going to do it. So our options are uh, go to the Humane Society, uh, release them in the wild. I don't know if we're supposed to do that. I don't know if they can survive. Or uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me on the tips line, if you want two turtles for free, you know, how can you lose? As long as you're a caring owner, you'll feed these things. Um, uh, just send me a note and you got yourself two nice big turtles. It's just don't make soup out of them. <laughs> it's illegal to own some turtles in Alberta. So if you want those turtles and you're in Alberta or headed to Alberta, just do some research. I think, and the reason I know this is when I was a kid, my sister wanted a turtle. And uh, no, it, turtles and like rats, we don't want you to keep rats either because then they get out and then well, all of a sudden we're not rat free again. But um, in Alberta, you can't have uh, snapping turtles, painted map, cooters, wow. which is not a name that I anticipated to hear a turtle <laughs> described with and sliders. So that's it. Um, just go. be careful if you want those turtles. Don't be coming or living in Alberta. So you don't want those turtles then, Sheila? No, turtles are stupid. <laughs> Maybe I'll just leave Tur them on, on Busty Lemieux's porch. He's <laughs> got a couple of turtles under his shirt. Um, okay, well, let's uh, keep going because we're way past time. <laughs> Fraser McBurney gives us five bucks. I just got in the mail. My trial date is March 20, 2023 for the so-called offense that was in November 29th, 2020. My math says it's over three years. Yeah. And uh, in Alberta, we're saying, oh, you know, the police shouldn't do things that are not in their priority. Um, but they're still pursuing tickets against people just like you here. Yeah. Um, bunging up the justice system. Uh, I think on Thursday, I have to go cover a trial of Mom's Diner, the Red Deer Diner that reopened. Uh, to save its shirt. And every time I went there, the place was packed. So it's not like they were abducting people and feeding them delicious breakfast. People were going there willingly. Um, and Fraser, same problem with you. You know, the, the government cannot find the resources to investigate home burglaries, car thefts, property crimes, drug dealing, but they're taking three years to go after somebody like you, whose only crime was to just protest what the government was doing to you. Unbelievable. I'm frozen again with this stupid nope, look you're, on my you're face. You're good to go. Okay, I'm good now. I think we're all cut up, by the way. Oh, fantastic. Well, wow, what a show. And uh, so happy to see the big boss man come by for the first 20 minutes. Uh, thank you to Olivia, our super producer behind the board. And thank you to my lovely co-host, Sheila Gunn-Reed. And thank you to all those who tuned in, especially those out there who uh, tosses a few bucks. We greatly appreciate your generosity. There'll be two different Rebel News uh, reporters here tomorrow, Wednesday. In the meantime, as always, folks, stay sane. Right now, the best thing each of us can do to prevent a resurgence of COVID-19 as winter approaches is to make sure that you get up to date in your uh, vaccinations with the new formulations coming out that'll keep us even safer. And that'll mean that we won't need to uh, take further steps, uh, hopefully, uh, if everyone gets vaccinated.